Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story themes and motifs of a treasured or trash or trashed banner or trashed banner piece of cinema. There you go. Good job. Hey. Nice job working that in there. I was going to say we should vote on whether this is trash or treasured, uh, but I feel like our ballots may be split. We'll find out. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know even know how I feel yet <laughs> about this okay. re- with whether or not it's a recommend. Yeah. I'm going to well, have to think about it. Yeah. You have an hour to think about it. I, I always forget to think about that. And then we get to the end and I'm always like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I I uh, will I will acknowledge that my goal is to try and sway your vote through this uh, episode. So Keep that in mind. All okay. Right? I mean, I had feelings. Okay. Great. I had feelings about you, you, the film. You did ask a question early on. Right. Before we started watching, you said, I am going to look at this. I believe people want me to believe that Tracy Flick is a bad guy in this film. Right. I, I want to evaluate it and see if that's actually true. Well, I so, was like, I, well, so it was, is who's the villain? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and it was more just, I feel like we're supposed to think that, that Tracy Flick is the villain but I feel like she is almost certainly not the villain. Okay, we'll or get into it. Yeah. That that was that was. I was not recalling the film. Okay, and now I have very strong, Opinions. very very strong feelings yes. about the answer to who is the villain of this film. Yeah, correct. Okay, so there, there. Yep, I will. I'll tell you what. Yeah, we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You're probably not wrong. Is, is what, <laughs> from what I imagine your uh, opinion on this is. From where I was furiously typing. Yes. Uh, I assume that you're correct on both a moral and legal <laughs> sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, obviously we're tying this movie into the midterms. So we had a bunch that we could have chosen from. There are like there are tons of movies about people running for office and, and getting voted for and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, we chose this one because it's set in high school, because it's not directly related to a specific candidate running for a specific yeah. office um, in, in public office. And, and I thought it would be, you know, it was a, a 1999 film uh, produced by MTV Films. Right. And I was like, this will be a fun, light going, easy fare. And it is not that. Sure. But, well, <laughs> but maybe a, that's how uh, we should think about all of our elections coming up. It's, a, it's an allegory. It is for sure. And incredible. Incredibly prescient for maybe 2016. Okay, sure. Or maybe just Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this uh, this plays out. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Absolutely. The end of the 2022 midterm elections is approaching this Tuesday with a bitter fight for control of both the House and Senate well underway, as well as numerous state and local offices at stake. Mmm, stake. So I don't know. Sorry. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the I think uh, Biden gave sort of a speech uh, last night, I believe it was. Mm. Uh, so we're recording this on a Thursday. I think it was last night that he spoke on the stakes behind this election and indicated at some point there were 300 different offices that we have election deniers running for. Um, yeah. And these are people who are some form of either politically devious mm-hmm. or Looney Tunes. Absolutely insane. Bonkers town. Yeah. Yeah. So... I not to disparage people who have mental illnesses, but like these people have completely divorced yeah. themselves of of reality. Correct. Yes. So I'm curious to know how that's playing out in the in what you what you are uh, talking about in the news. Well, I mean, I you know I think that there are a lot of big things. Obviously, we have the House and the Senate, and there are some key um, there are some key races. That have been, I think, widely publicized in the news that we can talk about. Yeah. But more than that, obviously, Biden has technically had control of the House and Senate for these past two years. Yeah. Although in the Senate, we've had um, a hell of a time because of mainly two spoiler Democrats right. who are just the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. So kind of Democrat in name only Joe Manchin from the state of West Virginia. Right. And then um, everyone's 
least favorite okay. bi lesbian spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kirsten Cinema right. out of uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yep. Yeah, out of Arizona. Who who the hell knows what she's been doing? Right. She's well, gonna pull a Maisie. No, not me. Uh, who's that? Who's that lady? Um, who just de- de- declared herself a Republican? Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. She's gonna pull a Tulsi Gabbard. I, I guarantee it. I don't think so. I think she's going to lose her next election because the only reason she won in the first place was a, a groundswell of grassroots uh, movement to try and get her to take over. I forget who it was she was running against, but some jerk, in, a Republican in Arizona. And then she John immediately- John No, no. <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Mark- uh, Astronaut. Mark Astronaut? <laughs> Kelly? Mark Kelly, yeah. He, he's in John McCain's seat, I think. Oh, I, I thought you were saying that he was the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I gotcha. Yes. So uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema is basically in the pocket of big business, mm-hmm. like, and just does. Uh, so she was the one who removed the, uh, I think it's like, what, the carrying interest tax loophole uh, fix from mm-hmm. the most recent For legislation. Yeah. And and it turns out that she gets a ton of money. She's one of the senators who was most donated to by people who would have, by like um, hedge funds and, and private equity funds. She was also, she campaigned a, a, a being for... <laughs> Um, pharma, or sorry, she campaigned being for um, lower drug prescriptions, right. and then she's also been fighting against that. Right, right. So yeah, she is bought and paid for. She'll lose her next election because she she barely won the first one because she had this groundswell of, of grassroots uh, people who had no idea that she was going to turn on them. And then she'll just go be a lobbyist and that'll be all. A lot of people like to claim that feminism is always supporting women no matter what. And I think that's the opposite of feminism. I think that feminism is supporting women who are qualified to do the things and looking for equality. But equality means calling out shitty women. Right. And Kirsten Sinema is a shitty woman. There you go. And she sucks. Yeah. So. Unfortunately. She is not running for no, re-election right now. <laughs> she's not. Absolutely not. Uh, Mark Kelly is though. He's he's cool. He is. Mark Kelly is running. So the the big the big races in the Senate that we're looking at um that are potentially going to swing the Senate right now or yeah. keep the balance of the Senate are um in Arizona. We have Senator Mark Kelly who is running against somebody named Blake Masters. Yeah. Uh, in, Which by the way, if you like if you met someone named Blake Masters, I think your initial reaction would be no thank you. I don't want to know you. If I met someone named Blake Masters at a bar, my reaction would be to very slyly cover my drink and then have my my girlfriends and I walk away slowly. And, And you know what? Seeing the person who is named Blake Masters in real life... Does not change that opinion at all. In my mind, he he's just ghoulish. A, he, okay, because in my mind, he's just like a walking golf tee. Yep, that is. Pre- yeah, he's he's tall. Uh, he's very slim, and he's very angular. He looks like he could have played Nosferatu in the remake. <laughs> all right. Well, so he is running against uh, Senator Mark Kelly, former astronaut yep. uh, and husband of Gabby Giffords. Of Gaffy, Gabby Giffords. Um, the Georgia Senate race. Mm-hmm. Also, um, is has been heating up for a while. Um, we have Senator, current Senator Raphael Warnock, who is running against. I mean, if we had a golf tee <laughs> as a person in the state of Arizona, we have a tackling football, dummy. Uh, I was just going to say a football um, oh. of a person for Herschel Walker, who yeah. I guess used to play football. I don't know. He sure did. He was very good when he played football. Uh, at playing football, mm-hmm. as far as I know, never responsible for public policy in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so I don't know why that seemed like a thing, but... I mean, you know, that may be the case, but if it weren't for all the things that he says that he does, his actions say that he is the most pro-choice, pro-abortion candidate that we have running today. That's true. He has in probably fact, paid for more abortions out of his own pocket than any other candidate running in this year's midterms. Hey, let me put it this way. He's paid for more abortions out of his own pocket than the entire United States government, which cannot fund abortions. Oh, well, good job, Herschel Walker, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a, a thing about him. Mm. Uh, he played for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys, um, and they traded him to the Minnesota Vikings for like a ton of picks and like basically like three first round picks or something like that over mm-hmm. the course of three years. And he stunk. When he went to the Vikings, he was bad. He he was very good at the Cowboys, very bad with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys then leveraged those picks into like great players and uh, went on to win Super Bowls and Herschel Walker stunk up the joint. So guess what? Georgia, maybe take that as a lesson. Like having Herschel Walker come from Texas to Georgia 
to try and convince you that he's the savior isn't going to work out super well. We've tried it before, and we've tried it in the field that he's better at than things like speaking or <laughs> making laws. Right. There is a fantastic sermon and takedown of Herschel Walker that we need to link to in the show notes because yeah. you showed it to me and then I've seen it several other times on right. social media since then. But it is, um, I guess, a reverend who is talking about how we don't need a walker, we need a runner. And mm-hmm. he is absolutely just he, he's fantastic, but then I also love the energy of the, the crowd. The women walking around just be like, okay. There yep. are the <laughs> women who are like walking around, and I want to say, is the word proselytizing? They are. No, that's no, a different that's thing. That's a I different think, word. Yeah. They're walking around they're, they're like. testifying. Testifying. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. They're testifying, I guess, is, is the word that yeah. you would use for it. But they are right below where he's speaking at right. the pulpit and absolutely losing it, cheering for him yeah. and supporting him. Um, it is. It is a sight to behold, and it is a fantastic speech and a fantastic takedown. So I, I really hope yeah. that it's indicative of where the voters of Georgia are right yeah. now, because I just can't understand how you could vote for this person. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a scandal that came out on the day of, I think, Dr. Oz, it came out that, and we'll talk about him in a second, I'm sure, mm. it came out that he was responsible for killing puppies. Right. And on the same day, Herschel Walker was exposed as having paid for an abortion while he claims to be pro-life. And it's like, man, if you beat the murdering puppies story Mm -hmm. with how terrible you are, Mm -hmm. how is this even close? Right. Well, here's an interesting statistic or polling result. A recent, very recent New York Times Siena College poll showed that about a quarter of Walker's voters view his opponent as more trustworthy or are not sure which candidate is more trustworthy. Sure. And they're still going to vote for him. Yeah. Well, it's because they don't care. They don't have to trust him. They have to trust the people who are telling him what to do. Right. So, you know. Right. And it's... It's it's a weird thing to see the two of them sort of equated as being the same thing and within the same article that I got that that um yeah uh statistic I also have this quote from this guy um who is an independent voter he's 41 and from Atlanta and said that he doesn't really trust either candidate and just like the equation of uh-huh. the two yeah. right Herschel Walker is literally a tackling dummy like right. you said the man has never read a book <laughs> and and uh, Raphael, Warnack. Raphael Warnack is a philosophy major. What up? <laughs> and a and an actual minister, right? Pra- right. A pastor, pastor. Yeah. and uh, and a, a civil rights leader. Like, civil rights leader. He used to be a pastor to John Lewis, yep. I believe. Um, and so it is. Uh, it is just. It just. It just kills me. So here's the quote, though, from this guy. Uh, who the the voter which was uh herschel is a former college football player and i don't know if he's ever read a book before he admits it (sighs) and Raphael warnock doesn't have any of his own original thoughts i don't know what to say voting for them is like choosing between broccoli and cauliflower what and first of all excuse me because broccoli and cauliflower are Are both great both great hey cruciferous vegetables yeah also, by the way, uh, boy, I know we have a, our audience is not like the world over, but if there's one clip that ever gets snipped and goes viral, I want to just say this. Never trust a man who doesn't eat his vegetables, mm-hmm. right? If you're a person who's like, no, I don't like vegetables and you're in your 40s, you're you're worthless. Right. You're a waste of space. You're, you're a 41 year old who doesn't like broccoli or cauliflower. You are a man child. Bro, put butter on it. Put salt on it. Put pepper <laughs> on it. Season, season your, food. your food and it's good, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, look, okay. Put your put your oven on 400. Chop up your cruciferous vegetables. Mix them with some olive oil or some butter. Throw some salt, throw some pepper. Here's your secret. Onion powder. Put a little <laughs> onion powder on it, bitch. Put it in the oven 35 minutes. Take it out. Eat it. It's delicious. We're done. You're welcome, everyone. And then you can eat like a damn grown-up. Yep. And- yep. For the love of God, please don't vote. If you don't eat vegetables, don't, don't vote. vote. <laughs> That's in the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, though, as you called it, the very next person on my list to talk about were the uh, people running for a Senate in Pennsylvania. We have John Fetterman um, and then uh, Mamet Oz. Mehmet. A- yeah. Mehmet. Yeah. Mehmet Oz, a.k.a. 
I'm going to put this in in square scare quote scare quotes uh doctor scare quotes isn't that what they're called doctor sarcastic quotes i think they're called scare quotes oh okay hey learn something new every day yeah uh he is a medical doctor he's a surgeon is he? yeah he's he's performed like open heart surgery and stuff he's a very good surgeon yet again a person who makes me feel like these things that i thought were really difficult to achieve yeah. must not be that hard yeah <laughs> uh maybe I think being it, a surgeon is not that difficult to do i mean ben carson did it right he's uh, the other one yeah so here's the thing i think that scrubs may have had the most like prescient point about this mm. is that surgeons are the dumb jocks who mm-hmm. like to cut people open mm-hmm. and have kind of a God complex. Right. I think that tracks. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's like when you're like, oh, he's a doctor. Oh, that doesn't mean he sits down and asks you like how you're doing. It means he's the kind of guy who thinks everyone should revere him. Yeah, that's that's the kind of doctor he is. He's a surgeon. So. Right. Yeah, that that sounds right. Apologies to any surgeons listening who are <laughs> upset by that. You're probably very nice and smart. I don't. Please don't operate on me. I don't like <laughs> knives. Uh, so yeah. So uh, Doctor Oz yep. from Oprah, and then his own television spinoff show, I <laughs> and, guess, and from New Jersey, <laughs> and uh, of New Jersey is running for the Senate against John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. So Fetterman used to be the Attorney General, Lieutenant Senate, General, Lieutenant General yeah. for the state, and he is most known for being a like really salt of the earth dude. Yeah, very man of the people. Wears hoodies and you know big baggy shorts yep. and stuff, and looks like he would um, either beat you up. At a punk rock show, or in my case, be the person who I would just like uh, walk behind to As get through the crowd yeah, yeah. and be very perfectly nice to you. Right. He seems like he'd be the guy who like picks you up out of the pit and like taps you on the back. Yeah. He's like, all right, kid, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a giant, giant dude. Did yeah. you see any of the debate between him and, and I saw a little bits, but nothing. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just, I mean, I'm not a Pennsylvania voter. The one thing that I saw was them shaking hands and he is massive yeah, he's next to Dr. Oz. Yeah. Um, they, you know, it's, it's interesting. He's had a very successful social media campaign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and has rightfully been just destroying Dr. Oz yeah. in terms of his bona fides as living in the state being right. from Pennsylvania. He is not his like parents-in-law, I think have a house there or something. He right. has a property there. Right. He owns like 10 houses or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they, they're constantly like calling out that he's in New Jersey and from New Jersey. And, you know, yeah. I would imagine that that would have a big impact. Um, but in addition to that, Oz had some self own where he went to the store and decided to create a charcuterie tray. He, he wanted to create a uh, crudite. Crudite. Yeah. That's right. So he got some asparagus. <laughs> and he got <laughs> and some, some salsa. salsa. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it was just like, you mean a veggie tray? You just wanted a veggie tray. And he just had like an entire thing of um, and, like celery yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and he, he called it Wegner's instead of Wegman's. Right. And he, and I think Wegman's like subtweeted him or something. It was like, just a reminder, everyone, we have a uh, veggie tray starting at the low, low price of five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he was trying to make a point about inflation, which is something that we'll get to in a little bit also, and came off as just the most out of touch elite yeah just complete jerk yeah. that you have ever seen and like when they say like you don't even know what the price of milk is he is the absolute epitome of not knowing what the price of anything is and then what could on a top banana of, cost michael ten dollars right exactly and then calling a veggie tray which is Crud- essentially what he was making yeah. crudite yeah is, which is it's first of all it's how i learned what the word crudite is supposed to mean oh okay didn't know that so thanks <laughs> Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned it before, but like the most damning of all things, he is basically if Cruella DeVille decided that she was going to run for office, he was in charge of um, he was in charge of some kind of a lab that was conducting experiments on animals. And like, here's the thing. Labs conduct experiments on animals, and I'm not weighing in one way or the other of whether that's right or wrong. Um, it's something that can be necessary a lot of times for medicine or or sure. whatever. Um, but these were 
there were complaints and whistleblowers within the lab, which were talking about absolutely disgusting, egregious violations of animal rights within these labs. If you're going to, yeah, if you're going to use animals in medical studies, you do actually have to go through approvals. It's not just, you can do whatever you want. Right. It's like, unless you're like yeast cells or something. You can't just toss a sack of live puppies in the garbage when they've finished serving whatever purpose. Like, I just can't even, cannot even wrap my brain around. Yeah the the disgusting things that that he was in charge of doing and that they had to eventually like call him out on yeah so anyways um you know on the flip side you would think that this would be a, a slam, easy one yeah. slam dunk however um unfortunately john fetterman did have a stroke earlier in the year right and it's, it's impaired his speech a little bit, I think. Or? Yeah, I mean, he's he's just he's recovering from a stroke, right? right? He has a, an auditory processing disorder right now that he is recovering from, which just means that he does not process sound, I believe, like in real time. I gotcha. And so it takes him a couple of seconds. It takes him a minute to like hear what's being said, process it in his brain, and then repeat it out. But it's not anything that is uncommon for somebody who has suffered a stroke, and it's not something that you can't get better from that. Yeah. He isn't making strides every day to get better from. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think that um, the same New York times article that I read, there was one guy who was going to be voting for him. And he was like, yeah, my best friend had a stroke. He had the exact same thing happen and he's fine now. Right. Right. You know, this is just, it was the absolute worst timing yeah. for it to happen. Sure. And unfortunately debates are maybe one of the worst demonstrations or tests for somebody who has an auditory processing disorder because you have to speak loudly and interject and interrupt and, you know, speak on the fly. And also the least representative of anything that you have to do as a fucking politician, as an actual senator. There's no point in which you have to get on the floor and debate people. Yeah. For a law. There was no question time, as we've already covered right. in America. Yeah. Right. And I think somebody put it best. They're like, oh, yes, you have to get on the floor and, um, you know, deal with the rapid pace at which Nancy Pelosi speaks. <laughs> no. Uh, The Senate, I mean, it's a stupid thing that people say, but it is the saucer that cools the hot tea of the House or whatever, which is dumb and not true, but also... Oh, it wasn't Nancy Pelosi, it was Dianne Feinstein because... Right, right. Yeah, Senate. But but if the point you're trying to make is like, oh, you got to be on your feet and snappy for this kind of role, it's like, actually in the Senate, very much so not. Nothing happens in the Senate. You really don't. It's like, here's the thing. Occasionally you'll be on a Senate, some committee that'll be televised when you're, you know, investigating something. Right. And maybe you want to ask some questions. But you can have those questions prepped in advance. And also, he's still recovering. So by the time he gets to the Senate, knock on wood, like, he'll be in decent shape. Right. right. It is unfortunate that we just, we also live in an incredibly ableist society sure. that penalizes anybody who is even remotely different. Yep. Like, let's say that he, even if it were the case that he was not going to be fully recovered yeah. in terms of auditory processing, if all of the rest of his mental faculties are intact, then then he, it still shouldn't matter, yeah. right? There are accommodations made all the time sure. in workplaces for people who have auditory processing disorders or other kinds of you know disorders that don't affect anything other yeah. than just the way that they have to intake information. I mean, look, uh, we're not making claims that uh, Lindsey Graham shouldn't serve in the Senate just because he's a walking sack of shit. Like that's look. <laughs> we make accommodations for that. We make all accommodations the time. for that. He's a he's a disabled American, but hey, look, he gets to. I'm just kidding. Sorry, but you know, uh, it's. I, I think it's very simple. Like, imagine a person were blind, right? Well, no, and, that's exactly what I was. And ran of. for a senate. Like, you wouldn't say, "Well, they can't read something." It's like we can fix that. You know what, though? People again, people are incredibly able, ableist, that's true. That's true. and they might, right? They might. It, we haven't had a person in a wheelchair yeah. be elected since at, FDR since FDR as, as president. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it is it it is sad, right? We do. I mean, I guess we do have Tammy Duckworth who's in a wheelchair currently. Yeah. Um, and it, and people do yeah. make, but it's rare, right? Yeah. But people do make accommodations for her. They don't expect her to like go up and necessarily. I, I don't assume use the same podium that everybody does. Like there are yeah. accommodations right. made for her because of her disability. And this is a similar thing, right? Even if he's not fully recovered, like it's it's kind of garbage that that this is even an issue. But right. again, people are craven. This is a 
you know, it's a thing for the media to talk about. It's yeah, a thing yeah, for the media yeah. to talk about. It's a thing for Republicans to use as a cudgel. Of so yeah. it is, it is a thing that we have to talk about, unfortunately. So the final, uh, the final race that I guess is, is particularly large or particularly big this, uh, this term is in Nevada, where we have uh, the Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, who was also the first Hispanic woman mm-hmm. that was a senator, elected as a senator, versus uh, someone named Adam Laxalt. Okay. And the that is the the closest of the races that I have talked of the four races that I've talked about so far. They are basically in a dead heat, according to that New York Times Siena College poll at okay. forty seven versus forty seven okay. percent of the vote. Yeah, there is uh, one more I'll mention. Yes, which is in, right here in North Carolina. We oh. have uh, former state uh, Supreme Court Justice Sherry Beasley yeah. uh, running against Ted Budd, who is uh, uh, walking thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't like. Obviously, I'm. I already voted, so I voted for Sherry Beasley because, yeah. of course, I did. But uh, come on, North Carolina, don't make a guy named Ted Bud our senator. I Unless can't deal he's going to be very much in support of legalizing marijuana, <laughs> I which just, I somehow doubt. No, he's not at all. I just don't want to have to say Senator Bud. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Yeah. He also looks like a complete tool. But anyway. That's it. Uh, but for, that's all I wanted to interject. Go, no, Sherry, absolutely, go Sherry Beasley. Hey. Absolutely. And I would love to, I would love to have Sherry Beasley as our senator. She or other black women should have been the nominee mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. Well, we um, had to deal with uh, Milk Toast McGillicuddy, whatever his name was. I don't even remember at this point. What was his name? I don't know. The guy who couldn't keep it in his pants for, yeah. you know, like nine months while he ran for office. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name. It doesn't matter. So. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. even matter. Yeah. But yeah, just the most glass of milk person that you have ever seen, chosen, mm-hmm. handpicked, and and promoted by Chuck Schumer. Yep. Um, so it, you know, there were black women who were overlooked in that race, and so it makes me really happy to see that that hopefully we've learned our lesson. We've gone with Sherry Beasley, and we're able to turn out the vote. Yeah. Now, the other big races, final two, are governor's races. Okay. Uh, they're kind of similar in, in a, a little bit, which is in Texas and in Georgia. Sure. So Georgia is Stacey Abrams and I uh, forget his name, Purdue? Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I remember just because I went to high school with a Brian Kemp. Oh. Different Brian good. Kemp. Good. I was like, <laughs> You gave me a look. Yeah, how old um, are you? <laughs> different Brian Kemp. Um, yeah. So um, unfortunately, I, 538 has him clearly favored and oh. 92 in 100 scenarios. Oh, geez. As the winner. Um, and then we have Beto versus Governor Abbott in Texas. Okay. And uh, he is, Abbott is very, very likely to win in Texas um, with him coming out as the victor, according to 538, in 98 out of 100 of their scenarios, according to their polling averages. Annoying. It is very annoying, although breaking news, Mm. according to the text message that I got on the way to the grocery store this evening, Okay. um, Beto has some recent polling that shows him neck and neck with Governor Abbott. Oh, Lord. And also, if I could please donate $20, it would be what they need to get over the finish line. Yeah, um... Really quickly, uh, this episode is sponsored by the Democratic National Committee, <laughs> who is begging you that oh, President Obama has asked you, Nancy Pelosi has asked you, mm. President Biden has asked you, and now I'm asking you to give as much as you can to the candidate of your choice. Oh, boy. <laughs> there, there has to be a whole other conversation, and we're not necessarily the ones to do it about the, I mean, the are, tempo right and now. tone and tenor of the outreach of Democratic candidates I for mean, money. Here's the thing, bro. Like, if you are running and you want to ask me for money once a week, fine. That's cool. I get you. But if you are like, like Nancy Pelosi sending me emails to mm-hmm. donate to generic, like, you know, funds or whatever, or like, y'all got to y'all got to stop that nonsense. Like, it's too much. Yeah, but I mean, I showed you. The, yeah, yeah. I showed you the screenshot of my inbox. I think after Warnock had his first debate with with Walker, uh-huh. and it was li- literally eight emails in less than like ten hours. Yeah, 
of the, of them asking for money. And it, it's not his, it's not him, right? Yeah. It, they farm this out to some political strategist yeah. and, and they all they use the use same one and they all use the same types of emails. The same scorched earth. Yeah. If it gets us $5, then we're going to, you know, then yeah. we're going to send it to a thousand people regardless of how many we turn off. Right. And it's, it got to the, it got to the point where it wasn't even the frequency, but it was really the, uh, the, the way that they were speaking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Where it started to sound like a guy who had read the game <laughs> and was just like, negging. To neg you. Yeah, yeah. Trying to like neg me into giving them money Yeah, or like an over needy boyfriend who's just like, Hey, Hey, I haven't heard from you. Right. Why haven't I heard from you? <laughs> this is ridiculous. You <laughs> need to give me money or else you are personally responsible. Right. Right. It was, it was a lot. Uh, so I had to unsubscribe. Yeah. Sorry about that. But everybody, but vote for the man. Please, yeah. Look, here's the thing. And I've given money to him, which is why they keep asking me. We for need, more. this is why we need campaign finance reform so that people will leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, we have Stacey Abrams. She's not doing super well, but I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that she can sort of ride on the coattails of not necessarily Raphael Warnock, mm-hmm. but of how bad Herschel Walker is. Sure. I'm, I'm hoping that Herschel Walker is so bad dragging and not white that down. a lot of people in the GOP just decide to stay home. That would be fantastic. That I don't see that happening at all, especially not after <sighs> they elected Warnock and uh, Ossoff by thin margins. And Georgia has been the battleground for like the Trump lie about the election being stolen and whatnot. I imagine Republicans are going to show up with a vengeance, uh, which would explain why Stacey Abrams is kind of underwater. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing I will say about that is with the, what I would love to see is what the polling looked like in 2020 Mm -hmm. in Georgia, because both Warnock and Ossoff won in 2020 when they were not supposed to win. And so the question is, how far off were they? And also, I mean, technically, I feel like Stacey Abrams also won. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She there did. was a bunch of nonsense. There's a lot. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to know what that was. Unfortunately, I didn't do that research. That's OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can't be everything to everyone. That's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> the big the big the big tie for uh, Abrams uh for, for Abrams and Beto was, I guess, um, released in an Atlantic piece on November 1st in which it dubbed them both, quote, superstar losers. Okay. And it was basically just saying like, hey, you know, it's the time of the superstar losers, two people who have uh, bigger names than the offices that they've held, essentially. Interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. Guess. yeah. And um, they are, they haven't really won you know, at these at these levels, but they are huge superstars in the like party politics, world of yeah. demo, you know democratic politics. Yeah, interesting. Wonder if that continues to be the case. Um, if they can't yeah. win, you know. I mean, I I love seeing Georgia turn purple and maybe start to turn blue. Stacey Abrams being governor and being able to work Fix on voting rights, voting rights, yeah. and election reform in the state is a key part of that. Yeah. Um, but. Man, Texas, every single time, every single time since that 2012 yeah, um, and... postmortem yeah. that the, the Republicans did yeah. saying that uh, that Texas could flip by 2020. I just feel like it's Lucy and the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that, know? I think Texas and Florida are now that. Florida every... is gone. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have a lot of family that are down in Florida and I love you, but you're in you're in. Republican territory. Yeah. yeah, I noticed you didn't bring up the DeSantis election. I don't think that's con- going to be very close. I mean, contested. he's just going to win. Right. right. Charlie Crist, I'm sorry. Is not an inspiring candidate. <laughs> I mean, he already was governor right. as a Republican. Oh, well, the Republicans are gone. They are they are the party of fascist, uh, like, anti, like, everything. Like, they, they, they hate democracy because occasionally that means they might lose. And they hate everything else as well. Oh, are you a person who's of a different gender or uh, race or sex or ethnicity or religion? Right. Well, we hate you. We hate everything because we also hate ourselves. Which is what the Republicans say. Not that you say that for anybody just tuning in. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that is that I was I was putting on my, uh, my Trumpian hat. Yeah. yeah. But 
the one thing I will say yes. is you mentioned Dr. Oz mm. seeming like the most out of touch, rich, smarmy, like kind of a jerk. Yeah. Which leads us into our film. <gasps> how? Because that is how people in this film felt about a young Tracy Flick. They felt like she was smarmy? Yeah, she was the overachiever. She was the always raising her hand in class. She was always on every club, every social setting. She had to be the president of the student body government in order to put that on her transcript for college, etc. She was the the star riser and, and whatnot and, and got eye rolls uh, from her peers, but mostly from her teacher, played by... Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. That's right. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's a fair comparison to make her. I had to get us into the movie. We've been talking <laughs> for 35 minutes. I'm trying to trying to move this thing along. Come on now. That was a, a good segue, but I will I will defend Tracy Flick as a person who is always raising their hand in class. You and uh, Ebert, <laughs> both of you. I, I, I actually didn't have really anything wrong with Tracy Flick for the most part in this entire film. Mm-hmm. There were a couple questionable moments, but I also understand them. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Mm. Um, to to give a little intro into the film, uh, mm-hmm. it's it stars, uh, as I mentioned, Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick plays a teacher, Jim McAllister. Reese Witherspoon plays Tracy Flick. Uh, Tracy Flick is uh, begins the film running unopposed for president of the student body government, mm-hmm. uh, a position that no one cares about except for Tracy Flick. <laughs> That's right, because it's a nonsense uh, it is, it is post. Not a real thing. Right. Yes. Um, And she would have continued on her her merry way um, had it not been potentially for the fact that uh, Matthew Broderick's character, Jim McAllister, Mm -hmm. had a friend who was a teacher. That teacher led some kind of club or activity uh, in which Tracy Flick was a part. Mm -hmm. And they ended up in a relationship or I guess Mm. uh, he ended up basically preying on her. A predatory relationship is still a relationship. It's just predatory. Yeah. So he uh, leveraged his power as a teacher over her to convince her into, I guess, having sex with him. I guess. And then he got caught, admitted to it and got fired. Um, Why this seems like a thing that Matthew Broderick's character needed to defend him for or like have bad feelings about like why couldn't you just be like dude you shouldn't have sex with your students you moron Mm -hmm. and then just like cut that guy out of your life don't he didn't do that he in fact stayed in the life of that guy and his (laughs) ex-wife after that happened uh which we'll talk about more in a minute but big the big thing was he held that grudge Mm -hmm. and then that was what led to the conflict with tracy flick matthew broderick's character held the grudge that's right yeah right and so yeah. that's the the impetus of our movie. He decides that he wants to prevent her rise because he's seen people like her before. Those, you know, those high risers, those fast talkers, those, you know, whatever, um, those power hungry people who get into power. And he's like, how many people could she hurt on her rise to the top? I have to stop her now. Perhaps the dumbest <laughs> idea because she's a high school student and student body government doesn't mean anything. Right. I, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that his character does in, in vilifying her when, when, I mean, we all know who the real villain is, um, and deciding that just like anything that she does is going to be wrong because he doesn't like her, right? It's not based on fact or the things that she's actually doing. She's just a person who is trying to be in all the clubs and get all the credentials that you need in order to be competitive. Yeah, She is a person who would have been one of 30 in my IB classes. Like, right. like the person who was the valedictorian in my high school, this guy, Mark, was this person like was just like, I'm going to be in every club. I got to have all this stuff on my thing. I got to make sure like he he got valedictorian by like a tenth of a point or something like that, because mm-hmm. he took one extra class in ninth grade that was IB or AP or whatever it was. So his GPA was slightly higher and nobody else could do anything about it because like that was it. He was just like, just going to try and game the system as much as he could. I mean, I got close to a 4.0, but I also didn't take like extra hard classes that's that's cute yeah Yeah. well but you know what had a lot more fun in high school did you yeah i had a lot of fun okay high school's not supposed to be fun high school sucks anyway i had a 5.62 so let's you know we can just go ahead and i'm not (laughs) trying to compete yeah clearly oh anyway sorry (laughs) moving on oh my Uh, gosh (laughs) so this leads McAllister, uh, matthew brothers character the teacher to Mm. recruit uh, former football player uh, Paul Metzler, mm-hmm. uh, who was played by Chris Klein. That's right. In his debut, this was his first film. 
Oh, this was? This was his first film. He actually was discovered by the director, who I'll talk about more in a minute, in Omaha. So this whole movie was shot in Omaha, Nebraska, which mm-hmm. is where the director's from. Okay. Um, he was uh, at like a local theater or something uh, in Death of a Salesman. Mm. And Andrew Payne, the director, stumbled on him. And then by the time he went to college at TCU, he, he called him back and said, hey, you want to be in this movie? He said, sure. And that's that's where he got his, his start in his career. Cool. Um, and then he went on to do American Pie, I think, in the same year. American Pie, I think you're right, same year, and then kind of blew up from there. And character's name was Oz. That's right. Then he, he sort Dr. of crashed. Oz. He did he did a role in the Street Fighter movie that I'll always remember because he says that uh, M. Bison walks between the raindrops, <laughs> which is very funny. Um, he is not a very good actor. He's not a good actor, but he was great in this role. Yes, he was fantastic in this role. He perfectly, was exactly what this role called for. Yeah, perfectly attuned to this role. Um, but I think I've seen him. I don't recall what I saw him in, but it, there was like one thing that I saw him in where I was like, oh, oh no. He's done some rom-coms and it's like not not a great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, good in this movie. And then uh, he, he then gets uh, into a relationship with a girl who had been hooking up with his sister, mm-hmm. uh, Tammy. And so Tammy, in order to get back at him, decides to run as well. That's right. So that's our sort of uh, four-way box of like problems. You got the teacher who's rooting for Paul, who's going against Tracy, who then, you know, is going against the uh, Tammy or whatever. I don't know. She's yeah. kind of she's kind of tertiary. Um, fun thing about her. She's the she's the chaos element in all of this. That's right. So fun thing about that character is Reese Witherspoon actually thought she wanted to play that character. Oh, okay. Um, because of that speech she gives where it's like, this doesn't matter. <laughs> no one should vote. <laughs> this is stupid. Um, she was like, that's a great speech. Yeah. And so I want to be able to give that speech, but she ended up obviously. It's a very that. like brave heart, you know, <laughs> rallying yeah. the crowd speech. Yeah. So she wanted to do that, but ended up obviously uh, going for the lead role. Oh, darn. <laughs> oh, darn. Um, Tammy Metzler was originally going to be played by Thor Birch. Oh, okay. I could um, see that. Yep. And she was actually cast and she was there for three days and got fired. <laughs> oh, all right. She was, I think, 14 at the time. Why did she get fired? Um, according to her, mm. it was, uh, she gave a line, uh, a reading of the script that wasn't exactly what the director was looking for. Okay. And I guess they found irreconcilable differences and mm. they had to move on. I will give you my conspiracy theory on that in just a little bit. Mm. Okay. So, uh, but, but hang on for a sec. Yeah. A um, couple other things I wanted to mention about the uh, actors. So I talked about uh, how Chris Klein got the role uh, with Reese Witherspoon. She uh, actually went to Omaha for two weeks prior to filming and I just hung out with the high schoolers pretending to be a transfer student. Mm-hmm. So I think she was a little older than high school, but she was... Um, escorted around by a girl who was very much like her character. So it was the president of the student council, captain mm-hmm. of the volleyball team, head cheerleader, um, overachiever, supreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, okay, this helps me get in the mindset. She spent two weeks hanging out with those people and just like kind of getting in the vibe. Mm-hmm. The actual film was shot in a real school. So when you see the kids in school, real kids yeah. at that school, the teachers are played by real teachers. Mm-hmm. So they actually were able to, like, I think they were saying, I have no idea if this could actually work because they're not professionals, mm-hmm. um, but it worked great. It, it felt very real. Yeah. I, I think that it, it, you know, there was never a point where I was like, oh, these people are too old or this doesn't feel like a real high school. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely did feel like a, you know, a true high school experience. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. Um, and I think part of that is the sort of um, inanity of high school, which is like all these things that are very important in the moment that mm-hmm. don't matter in the long term. Nobody cares. Yeah. And it's like th- they did a good job of sort of skewering that or, or um, making satire out of those kinds of concerns. Right. Right. Um, the other thing I thought was really great uh, about the construction of the film is you have four narrators, basically. There's uh, the, the four characters that I mentioned before all have voiceover um, mm-hmm. describing sort of what they're going through. However, they're all unreliable. Like, Tracy Flick is giving her, you know, a statement on the events that have happened. Right. But it's in sort of self-promotion. Right. And I think that's maybe part of the reason that she comes across as somewhat villainous, which is like, she's clearly like grabbing at what quote unquote power she can get. Right. But she's telling a story about how it's not that. It's like, I was destined for this. So how could he step in the way? Blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they have... (sighs) 
I think that there was a couple, there were a couple moments where, you know, she, she does say like, oh, I was destined or, or yeah. whatever, but it, it comes across, to, it came across to me more as being just kind of an immature kid, you know, than yeah. nefarious in any kind of way. Yeah. I think that if you read into this and you say, oh, she is nefarious in some way, then it's because you hate women. And the word ambitious, right? Yes. Ambitious women are something, you know, that that anger a lot of people. Sure. And so I think that there are there are takes that I could see that that would say that she's bad or like to blame in some way because she wants all of these things. And it's like if she were a guy, yeah. I don't know that anyone would care. No, I don't think so. I think um she, so the thing that reminds she reminds me of the most is Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Yeah, whom absolutely. I, whom I love. Mm -hmm. And so I think like I like I was like, she is a bit annoying when she's doing like the button stamping and the frosting on the cupcakes and right. the overture. But the only reason that she's annoying doing that is because it's not played for like traditional comedy. It's played as like a dark comedy. Right. They so, give like the music and the angles and the lighting and stuff to make it look like she's she's like trying to pull something when really all she's doing is working for the vote. <laughs> oh my God, she's working hard for a thing that she wants. How yeah. dare what a bitch. Yeah, right. So uh meanwhile, on the other hand, you have McAllister mm -hmm. who is lying. Everything he says in his voiceover is a lie. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, my wife and I were getting along great at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you are in a terrible place with You're this relationship. Lech. Yeah. And so uh, it, what happens is, uh, for those who haven't watched it, obviously, um, Matthew Broderick's character is trying to conceive a child with his wife. Right. Um, he's not that into it. And he keeps imagining other people's like faces on her face, uh, including his teacher friend who got fired's wife. Um, mm -hmm. who keeps having him come over to like help out with stuff. Right. And also Tracy Flick's face, which is the moment at which you should realize, oh, she's the victim. She's not the bad guy uh -huh. in this movie. Uh, no, I feel like the moment was much before that. But yeah, course, he, but yeah, yeah, he's, well, so should we get into who the villain is? We can. Uh, the only thing I wanted to, to tighten up before that is, yeah. uh, so uh, Broderick gets caught. Right. Uh, cheating with this lady. She actually confesses, I think, to his wife. Mm -hmm. He gets kicked out of the house and uh, gets stung in the eye by a bee. Right. So uh, life is not going well for him at no. this point. Um, and at, it is at that time that he is responsible as the teacher in charge for counting the votes uh, for the election. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll pause there before we get into the outcomes. And then, yeah, let's talk about the villain. Right. Well, no. So he's the villain 100%. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I, I think that I was, as I was watching, I was like, my notes are like, oh, she's just an overachiever. And I was like, oh, okay. I know who the villain is. It's, uh, because she's a, I, I was thinking it was the, the friend who took mm. advantage of her because it, he very much took advantage. It's weird because there are moments where the guy who, the teacher who dated her, yeah. um, I forget what his name is, but he likes to say, oh, we were in love we're in love or right, whatever, right, right. but he's clearly manipulating and grooming her. Yep. Uh, when we talk about groomers, right? Like that's, this is what it is. That's he's right. clearly manipulating her. It's like, Hey, you're really great at this. Hey, you're really smart you're, at this. You're amazing. Yeah. I bet, I bet people just don't understand you like yeah. I do. Yep. And, um, it is, it, he is absolutely the villain. Yep. But also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, if your best friend who is a, Full ass grown up with a baby yep. at home, yep. a newborn comes to you and says that they are having sex with a child. High schooler, yep. The child needs protection, and your friend is a predator. Yep. And if you don't see it anything other than that, you are also the bad guy. Yep. You are also not a good person. Nope. Yep. And if you are like, then then your response to that is, I will try and destroy this child's right. ambitions. Like, oh, well, then now you're a bad guy in a different in a in a different way. Like how <laughs> dare how dare she go, can try to go on with her life right. after this thing happened to right. her. And also like the 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 point that is made, I guess, early on is like she's the one who's like always raising her hand and stuff. And he's mm -hmm. like, mm, anybody else want to answer? Anybody, anybody like you can just talk to her and you could be like, hey, you don't have to raise your hand every time. I want to give everybody in the class a right. chance to answer. All he'd have to say. Right. Like, pull her aside, 
hey, I know you know the answers. Yeah, yeah. I know you know the answers. And I'll tell you what, I will absolutely call on you. If, if nobody else, nobody else yeah. does. But I do want to give people like, she'll understand that, man. Yeah. I don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. The it only thing I will, upsetting. the only thing I will say is that they're early on the way that they frame Reese Witherspoon's character, mm-hmm. Tracy Flick is almost like Anne Randian. Like she's this, the alpha, the super, you know, the type A personality who mm-hmm. should be successful and there are others who will fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. So there is some of like that, um, that type of thinking is a little bit chilling to some. Um, and I will also say that it is bookended by the fact that she goes on at the end of the film, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. to work for a Republican uh, congressperson. Now, granted, this was in 1999 when Republicans at least had to pretend to be smart. Mm. And so the fact that she goes and works for somebody in Capitol Hill is not a surprise. Like right. at, in that era, people would bounce around between parties. They would just want to do the work, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I guess the idea is like she's a little more on the button up conservative side kind of thing. I don't know. But whatever. Like, I mean, she's definitely Republican. Yeah. If you look at her, like absolutely she's a Republican. Yeah. And and. But we're not talking about her political affiliation no, 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 in I'm, terms I'm not, of whether or not she's a villain. I, I, no, 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 I'm just saying like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that was something planted early on right. in the movie with the intent of making the audience see her in a light that is like um, not as favorable. That's what I mean. It's mm-hmm. like it was intentionally put in there to make it so that it's not as clear cut to some people like who the, the bad guy or the good guy is or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's clearly a teacher. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and and I think that our perceptions, I assume our perceptions have changed drastically yeah. since this film came out. And yeah. in terms of what we're willing to accept is like a, the narrative around a younger high school aged girl right. and an older man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still, even at the time it was very, fairly like, I think, uh, scandalous <laughs> clearly. Um, so but it's it's it has escalated, I think, in, in terms of people in positions of power taking advantage of people who are underneath them um, has become a much more clear topic and not just like, oh, a case of one off events. Right. We have, oh, this one teacher did this one thing. It's like, oh, no, anytime you give people sort of unconstrained power over another person, they're going to take advantage of it. Right. Well, I'm just thinking of like the Courtney Stoddard person. OK, sure. Do you know who that I is? I do from you telling me about her. <laughs> I, I like six months ago. Right? Um, or them. Yeah. Okay. So actually her name is Courtney Stodden, but Mm. she, or they, um, were, I guess, married to, or, or were groomed by some actor, actor who was in the green mile. Okay. Um, and, and even as far as late as like 20, you know, 2007, 2010 or whatever, you had people like Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. Um, actively rooting against her and hating her and, and like right. whatever on Twitter. And she was 16 sure, or sure. 15 or 16 yeah. when she got into that relationship that ended up come to find out being incredibly abusive right. and being something that like was emotionally abusive um, for her yeah. and I, that she had to get out of. You I think know? that early aughts era of the the dramatic rise of reality shows mm-hmm. combined with the advent of social media uh, was real toxic for a lot of people real quick. Like we haven't gotten much better um, in many regards, but at least I think we realized that it is the case. At that point, it was like people could talk trash about anybody online with little, limited recourse. And it's like, it was just kind of... Nobody was calling anybody out on it. It was like, huh, that's funny because it's just a thing on Twitter without realizing like it was bullying somebody and actually harming them. Yeah. I feel like we didn't have, we haven't evolved, had not evolved to at least understand how that stuff affected people at that point. Right. No, absolutely. But I think that like the, the thing that, that stands out to me is that people were all for this idea that a 16 year old could yeah. be devious in some way against yep. a 50 year old man, yep. Yep. you know? Yep. And that is a wonderful segue to me, ruining this movie for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know the director of the film? No. Alexander Payne. Alexander Payne has done movies such as Citizen Ruth, which we were considering covering uh-huh. for uh, the uh, abortion episode. He has also done the film Sideways. Okay. Uh, he did About Schmidt. Uh, he's done The Descendants with George Clooney. Okay. I hate all of these movies. I haven't seen Citizen Ruth. And okay. The other ones I mentioned, I don't like. 
And it's largely because of the same thing that this movie suffers from is mm. no one in the movie is likable. There is not, and, and I, I understand dark comedy, not everyone's supposed to be likable, right, but like right, right. there are dark comedies where people are like over the top or big personalities, even though they're bad. Like Death to Smoochie, I know people hate that movie, but I love it. And Robin mm-hmm. Williams is deplorable in that movie, but he's fun. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, nobody's really fun. They're all acting great. Like the, I, I love the acting in Election. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese crushes it. Matthew Broderick is maybe the only person who could do that role. Yeah. Um, they actually considered. Uh, Tom Hanks and oh, no. Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, double no. Yeah, so absolutely not. But uh, Broderick was great. Um, Chris Klein was good. Like like I said, for his first role and like what what they're asking of him, he's perfect. Uh, but the thing I don't like about the movie mm. is that none of them are really that. Like compelling to me. I just don't, they're icky. It's a I wouldn't very, want to be around them. It's a very, am I the asshole? Everyone sucks here. Yes. And so that's the same thing with Sideways, right? Like people love Sideways because I guess they like wine. Mm-hmm. But it's like Thomas Hayden Church is a dick in that movie. So is Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. They're very good actors, but they're not good people in, in, a, in a way that I want to like spend time with them, like two hours in a movie. Right. So that's my problem with Alexander Payne films until uh, the following came out in uh, August 17th of 2020. Oh, Rose McGowan accuses Sideways director Alexander Payne of sexual misconduct. Mm. So, uh, Rose McGowan accused Sideways and Descendants director Alexander Payne of sexual misconduct in a series of statements posted to her Twitter account early on Monday. Alexander Payne, you set me down and played a softcore porn movie you directed for Showtime under a different name. I still remember your apartment in Silver Lake. You are very well endowed, McGowan wrote. You left me on a street corner afterwards. I was 15. Ugh. And at the time, he would have been, I think, 27 um, at the time of the accusation. He uh, said that in response, the two of them had had a relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, but that she was of age at the time. You never know who's been me too when you start digging into old movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's right. There was so much, I think, carnage that sort of happened in the me too movement of like this guy sucks and this guy sucks and this guy sucks that you just i don't even really know who this guy is yeah yeah and so so it it came up initially in the reporting by uh by ronan farrow okay um that she said there was a famous hollywood director who was well regarded who she had had a relationship with when she was underage Mm -hmm. um it is uh, he he claims that it didn't happen because, quote unquote, the softcore porn movie he had directed under a different name was impossible because he never directed anything lured or otherwise uh, under a under a different name. That doesn't mean he didn't take her to the apartment and lie. Like, right. OK, buddy, like that doesn't whatever. Here, here's yeah. a thing that I directed. Wink. Right. And so obviously with uh, McGowan, you are uh, you question like she's she's not been. Uh, a liar with other accusations she's made. Right. She's been a bit of a, a strange character in the space. Right. Um, but like, you know, that doesn't mean she's lying. Right. Um, and that leads me to another thing. Um, so the one Andrew Payne film that I did enjoy, mm. this film called Nebraska, starring Will Forte, Bruce Dern. It's all black and white. Mm-hmm. Shot in Nebraska, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to a screening of that when I was in film school. Mm-hmm. He showed up for a Q&A afterwards. And a person sitting next to me uh, said, you know about him and one of our classmates, right? Ugh. And I said, I have no idea. And at the time, uh, this was, you know, I, I guess it was probably 2013, something like that. Okay. Um, and he's like, yeah, um, this classmate, and and he used to be in a relationship. And I uh, was, you know, I think 26 at the time the classmate was probably my age or slightly younger Mm -hmm. um and he was 57 and she worked for him and so the point is not was it consensual or not right but if you're a director who is the one with the power in the situation moral or was it ethical there you go uh, neither, but, <laughs> but the idea is like, what was, if he's the one using his power in this situation to skis on younger women mm-hmm. in early stages in their career mm-hmm. where they're trying to do something yep. for themselves and he's leveraging that power over them to coerce them into sexual relationships, uh, that's bad. And so I don't like him and it explains so much of the 
skeeziness of the characters in his movies that he feels compelled to make. Right. And uh, so fuck this guy. <laughs> fuck him with every single fiber of my being. Fuck his movies. Don't watch this shit. Burn it. Light it on fire. <laughs> if you bought the DVD in 1999, kick that shit to the curb. We're done with him. And I'm. And you know what? Cancel culture doesn't mean anything because like this isn't going to take any money away from him. But like I'm done. I don't need to see any more of his bullshit. I'm out. That's my review. So. Yeah. Thus concludes the uh, do you recommend. That concludes my <laughs> recommendation. I recommend he get a swift kick in the balls. That is my recommendation. And I guess this is your um, persuading me. That's me persuading you. My tr- to my bring attempt. it back to the top of the show. My attempt. Right. Um, yeah, I am processing. So, you yeah. know. Give me a second. Um, so then they talk about in the film, one of the things that they talk about is, is this ethical or is this moral? Right. You know, it's interesting because I think that a lot of times directors, you know, do what they know. Um, people, writers write what they know. Sure. And directors, I think a lot of times will will direct something where they see themselves. Yeah. In the characters. And, and this I was based do, off a novel. So he obviously read the novel and was like, ah, I see something in there. Something about this really speaks to me. And yeah. I guess it was just the teacher that took advantage of yeah. the, the girl and, and tricked her into having a relationship with him. Yeah. And in the novel, the original ending was uh, they never leave Omaha okay. or, or wherever they were in the novel. Uh, but instead, uh, he goes to work at a car dealership. At some point, she's buying a car, stumbles upon him. They settle their differences and they go their own separate ways. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a relatively like happy ending or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not wholly surprising that he decided to change that in favor of the sort of damaged teacher. Yeah. The the grievance. We got to the, so I'm looking at my nose and we got to the scene with the, the, the porn that Matthew Broderick is yeah, watching. Yeah. And my note was just, why is this whole film so statutory rapey? Yeah. Well, well, and I guess uh <laughs> I guess we have our answer. Yeah, sure do. Blech. Yeah. So, I hope everyone feels gross and <laughs> go go wash off and shower off. Yeah, no kidding. So, what do you do you recommend this film? Well, not now. Okay, good. <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's interesting. Well, okay. So here, here's a question. How was it perceived? Do you have any information on how it was perceived in 1999? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, regarded with, uh, great aplomb. Like it was a, it was a hit. People um, loved it. People loved it. Uh, it was critically, uh, revered. So 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ebert gave it like three and a half stars. Um, uh, Wesley Morris, who now writes for the New York Times, I believe, but he was at San Francisco Chronicle at the time, uh, wrote it that it was, you know, smart and metered and measured and, and, uh, wonderful critique of the whole of electoral politics and all this kind of stuff. Um, and maybe that's true. Like maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an overriding sense of dread and fear for people in the real world that I cannot shake out of my head. Mm. And so I can't see the movies without thinking about that specific thing. It's like, I can't listen to any Kanye West song without hearing him say slavery was a choice. Or (laughs) we just accidentally started singing. I believe I can fly the other night. And I was like, like, Oh no, I can't do that. Can't sing that song anymore. Yeah. And so it's like, I just, I I, like, it's the, the sticky grossness that comes along with this shit now that it's like, I just can't. So yeah, that's um, that's fair. I guess I was just wondering about if there were any think pieces at the time that were like, yeah, um, Tracy Flick is clearly the victim here. Or if that's something that just wasn't even really like the popular sentiment yeah. at the time. I know there's been a lot of revisionism since then. So like right. A.O. Scott went back and was like, oh, if on 15 years later, it's like, yeah, well, Tracy Flick was the victim. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so I know there, there's been a, quite a bit of that. At the time, I don't know um, if that was the case. But. I feel like it was probably gray area or, or whatever. Or some, yeah, you know? I think it was like, oh, actually, I think to compare it to the elections now, uh, it was a lot of both thought, both sidesism. Yeah, it was like, well, this guy supported a girl, a teacher who committed statutory rape on a girl, but she's kind of a priss, so you know, both sides. Right. I right. think that was kind of the vibe. I, you know, and it's interesting because I'm thinking back to my high school days, um, and there was, I want to say, a coach who also did like um, the the study hall mm-hmm. or whatever and like would have girls sit on his lap, like Ooh. high school girls and stuff. Yeah, like in retrospect, because I think that people are like, oh yeah, she's such a whore or whatever, you know, she's so slutty. And it's like, no, no, no. 
<laughs> Thank goodness I always skipped study hall. Though. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Safest place to be is not in school. Wait, actually. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So um, I guess in retrospect, don't watch this movie. And instead, please go vote. Yes. For Democrats. That's the thing. Every time someone's like, uh, hey, hey, please uh, got to vote civic duty, go vote. They never finish that sentence. It's like, go vote for the people who will continue to allow you to vote in the future, which right now is only Democrats. I'm not here to pretend like you should be voting as long as you vote. No, 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 no. Vote for the people who will continue to give you Medicare and social security. Vote for the people who will codify, not Roe, but a woman's right to choose into law. Yeah. Vote for the people who do not believe that Trump won. There you go. And I'm going to close it out with uh, the projections from 538. Oh, God. I don't want to know. It's bad. It's bad. People should know. No. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse since September. People need to go out and vote. Um, It's a, the, the Senate is a dead heat. The House is not looking great because of gerrymandering. Yeah. You need to go out and vote. How about that? I'll just leave it at that. All right. Go vote for every Democrat you can up and down the ballot in whatever state you're in. Uh, Please. We have children who need to live in a world that protects them and treats them as people and doesn't allow the climate to explode around them uh, just because some executive at an oil company or at a hedge fund needs an extra billion dollars in their fucking bank account. Uh, Anyway, I'm pissed and sad now. Okay. So I don't know. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and we'll have this podcast until at least democracy crumbles. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at The Crosscut. We are on uh, Instagram at The Crosscut Pod. I guess that this this is the, the attitude that you sort of should expect from an episode titled The Midterms and Election. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Follow us on there. We'll tell you about what we're going to be watching the week of. And uh, yeah, have a good weekend. And please go out and vote. Early vote. Yeah. Go, go vote. Vote, vote, vote. Vote tomorrow. For the it. Democrats. For goodness sake. Please. Goodbye. Bye.